Hi, welcome to the Lakeland Emergency Medicine Podcast. I'm Jesse Keller, and today we're going to talk about wake-up strokes with our expert, Matt Heisel. Thanks for being on the program. Yeah, Jesse, I appreciate the opportunity to join the Lakeland Podcast team. That we're going to talk today about wake-up strokes and about the exciting opportunities we have to continue to chip away at those recognized and accepted contraindications <laughs> to TPA use in acute stroke. So tell me, what is a wake-up stroke? So wake-up stroke, obviously, if you have your stroke when you're awake, if someone's there to notice it, or if you have the ability to contact someone, then you present within the known window that we're all familiar with, our three to four and a half hour window, um, in order to be able to give TPA. However, obviously, if it happens when you're sleeping, you wake up with symptoms, and these patients right now are widely known and known and accepted that since we can't prove that your symptoms started within the time windows where we've shown TPA to be useful, we can't use this medicine. And this sadly affects about somewhere between one-eighth and one-quarter of all strokes. Yeah, I know. I've started a lot of my shifts with wake-up strokes, so I know they're fairly common just anecdotally. It's almost an advantage of doing night shifts and, and morning shifts <laughs> that everyone who has a stroke is coming in with them waking up, and you're like, hey, I'm off the hook. Don't need to worry about this medicine. So, so tell me, is there any data to figure out when they're actually having their strokes while they're sleeping? Is it early in sleep, at the end of their sleep? What, what do we know? Yeah, surprisingly, it does seem that most of these or many of these patients are actually within windows, at least based on early ischemic signs, um, that if you look at rates of early ischemic signs on CT scans, that the, the hypodensity where you can already see brain uh, infarcting, um, the rates of wake-up strokes versus the wake of versus the rate of known age strokes in terms of those early ischemic signs, both on CT and honestly in MRI, uh, if you look at some of, some of their data, is very similar. So there's a decent chance that um, at least an, a, a, a significant percentage of these patients are presenting within traditional windows. So they're actually having their stroke maybe not that long after they're waking up. They may well actually be somewhat waking up from the stroke. That we've all seen patients who have kind of obvious MCA type strokes or other sort of things where it's it's unequivocal that this patient's having a stroke, where they could tell you that hey, I had kind of this little I felt weird or I, I felt off or that something happens. A lot of times patients can report that to you, assuming they still have the ability to speak, and that something may be enough to wake some of them up. So tell us a little bit about imaging, because I think with when you're talking about wake-up strokes and you try, try and go through the literature, you realize that imaging plays a, a crucial role. It really does, uh, because this is a different paradigm than saying, okay, your symptoms started an hour ago, you're a candidate. This now says, well, I don't know. Um, whether you're a candidate or not, but let's see if we can tell what your brain looks like to say, are you going to be improved? And so there's two ways to do this. Uh, you can either use perfusion CT scan, um, which unfortunately you need a very modern scanner, a 256 slice scanner, in order to do a perfusion scan of the entire brain. The 16 and 32 slice scanners, they can only do a section uh, of brain. And there aren't, so there aren't that very many uh, scanners out there that can do this, so most of the data is actually MRI data. And when you read this, that what they're looking at is the diffusion uh, scan, that there's many different ways you can window uh, the MRI, to borrow the, the CT term. And if your diffusion scan shows, the diffusion scan will show uh, dead brain, and it will show it within an hour of it happening. So we can see that very quickly. Then there's other ways you can window it using either perfusion or flare techniques to show the section of brain that's still at risk but not yet dead yet. 
So then we're going to be able to maybe use advanced imaging to tell us which patients might be higher risk for thrombolysing and which ones would potentially benefit based on the size of the infarct. Am I getting that right? That That is both the size and the ratio, that there is some literature out there that there's a decent study of about 600 patients uh, that if they look at their diffusion imaging, that if you have less than 10 cc's of dead brain, your risk of Ischem- of, be- of becoming a head bleed with TPA is less than 3%. Uh, if the size of the dead brain is 10 to 100 cc's, it's about 7 or 8% about the, the average number we're quoting to patients from the typical stroke data. And if the size of brain is greater than 100 cc's, at, that rate doubles. That's about 16% of patients are going to bleed uh, who have large sections of brain that's already died off. And so Going forward, we're going to be kind of playing off both the size of that area of brain that's already ischemic and and has died versus the area of brain that is still salvageable um, that where you can restore blood flow to. Interesting. So tell me, have they ever? Is there any research out there of actually people giving TPA to people with wake up strokes? There is. There is some. Most of it is small studies. Um, there's one kind of interesting one of 68 patients who they said, well, you know what? Uh, you woke up with a stroke. I can't, I'm not even going to bother with an MRI. I'm just going to give you TPA uh, if my head CT doesn't show any signs of hypodensity or edema, those sort of things. And they really found that they didn't find in that 68 patients, there was no difference in the rates of bleed or really an outcome with one one outlying subgroup, and it's too small to really rely on subgroup analysis, but in the whatever, whatever number of patients they had that were age over than 80, their rates of mortality doubled if you did not thrombolyze them. That an old patient with a severe stroke, uh, if you don't do something from them, they're going to be dead of a bed sore or dead of aspiration pneumonia, and they found that TPA really benefited those patients and halved their mortality. Uh, again, too small of a study to draw any firm conclusions um, from. There's other studies of 70 to 90 patients that use MRI or diffusion CT or perfusion CT to choose patients who could be thrombolysed, and again, don't find a lot of difference in TPA use. There's one interesting study of 80 patients who they decided to use compassionate off-label thrombolysis. Compassionate. I love that title. (laughs) Perfect. Um, They chose patients who had hypodensity on their head CT, who those patients that right now our guidelines say do not give TPA to these patients. Uh, What they found with their compassionate use was that um, the percentage of patients who had excellent outcomes doubled. That 14% of, the, 14% of the patients who got TPA had excellent outcomes as opposed to 6% uh, who did not get, get TPA. Now, the caveat to that was that you had to live to get that benefit. That of their TPA patients, 15% died, 0% died in the patients who did not receive TPA. So again, hard to know what conclusions to draw from that. You'd have to make the decision, would I rather be dead than pick, pegged, and traked? All of us have to make that, uh, make that decision. There's a larger study, it's called RESTORE, uh, published in 2012, centered in Korea, where they looked at 430 patients with, with wake-up strokes, and based on their MRI, uh, they decided who are we going to give TPA to, and it was, some, it was kind of a homogenous group of TPA, intra- of IV TPA, of intra-arterial TPA in the angio suite, or the combination of both. And they found that 45% of the 
of the people that they treated, which they only treated 20% of those 430 wake-up strokes, uh, a little bit flying in the face of what I told you in the open, that a lot of these patients are candidates, that based on their MRI, they only treated 20%. Um, but of that 20% they treated, their rates of uh, intracerebral hemorrhage was the baseline 6% that we see uh, in the accepted uh, patients being treated for, with TPA these days. And they said 45%, almost half of that group at three months, had a modified ranking score of 0 to 2. So overall, um, these were patients that were able to at least function relatively on their own without being bed-bound hemiparetic. Okay, is there any other research coming out that we can expect in the future? Yeah, so that's the question, because that RESTORE study, while interesting, it was not randomized. So we don't truly know, did the TPA uh, do anything? That the EXTEND study that was supposed, that that brought us the three to four and a half hour window, originally they were planning to look at wake-up strokes. Now, they stopped the study early to bring us the three to four and a half hour window that much sooner. Uh, And so we didn't get the wake-up stroke data. They didn't have enough power to make any conclusions uh, for that. I don't know if they will ultimately uh, publish more. There is currently ongoing in Europe uh, what's known as the wake-up trial, using MRI to look at the DWI and flare mismatch um, to determine which patients are going to be amenable to TPA, that they are fully randomizing that, that half of those patients who they think are candidates are going to get saline as opposed to TPA. So we'll have a much better sense uh, that that trial is scheduled uh, to be published in December of this year. So we'll see if going forward our guidelines for these patients uh, and kind of the paradigm that we use to approach them, if that doesn't change. Wow, so it sounds like you're coming back on the program in December. It sounds like we will be back with both PowerPoints updating the latest in stroke care as mandated by JCO twice a year, as well as right here keeping us at Lakeland on the cutting edge and forefront of emergency medicine. Well, thank you so much for bringing us up to date. Thank you for having me, Jesse.